Hello, and welcome back to the Black Shoe Basic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Patrick Kerbler. And finally, after a long, however many months, it is finally football week. Penn State football is back. Alex, how you doing over there? Finally, football is back in our lives. Pat, I feel awesome. I'm so excited. I'm glad that we don't have to watch highlight videos for much longer or like I rewatched the whole Appalachian State game from last year. We don't have to do that. We're going to have real football coming up. I got to watch the two games this weekend. It was great. Ugh, I'm just so excited. Yeah, I'm I'm more excited than than it probably sounds in my voice. But um, we got a lot to get to on this episode, so we will jump right into it. First and foremost, a little bit of news, some housekeeping to take care of. Penn State's former doctor, I don't have his name in front of me, is suing Penn State, and he's saying that Franklin pushed players back from injury prematurely and was pressuring him to to clear them, despite the fact that they shouldn't have been cleared. He's also saying that Cindy Barber knew about it and that Penn State as a whole knew about it. I'm pretty sure he also mentioned that like Penn State Hershey Medical knew about it as well, and they didn't care either. He had a 43-page lawsuit, and in it, nowhere did he mention any specific players or instances, which maybe that's just like a law thing like with HIPAA, but I'm pretty sure you could mention it. It would just be redacted when it's released publicly. Regardless, it seems a little odd. I believe he was fired or I don't even know if he was so much fired as much as he was just like reassigned back in like March or April, I believe maybe in February. But since the news is broken, Jason Cabindas came out and said that like this is flat out not true. And a player that Franklin coached at Vanderbilt, Austin Carter Samuels also came out and said that this is no way true. And he he mentioned a, a situation where Franklin held him out an extra week despite an injury. So uh, do you have any thoughts on, on this stupid, stupid news story? Not really. The figure is kind of small. He's only seeking 50000 in damages, which is kind of surprising. I figured maybe Penn State would just pay it just to keep the story out of the news. But if they're actually insistent, like they say they are, that this didn't happen, then I guess you can fight it and... Make him pay for it. I I don't really know. James Franklin came out in the press conference today. We're recording on Tuesday. So he came out in the press conference and just said, I'd like to start with a statement rejecting Dr. Lynch's claims. We'll continue to vigorously defend our program and all participants in this matter. And that's pretty much it. He just said that, you know, no further comment. But it's one of those things that I don't know how it's really possible to have an opinion at this point. Yeah, it's, it's something that's obviously if if it could be a serious matter but it just seems like from what has come out in public and 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 the lawsuit in general just how vague it seemed i don't put a whole lot of credence to it and maybe i'll end up looking pretty stupid in the future if if evidence does come out that franklin you know played a was pushing his players back early from injury but right now it actually doesn't seem like something to be to be too worried about and i think a lot of players are a lot of his former players are coming to to his defense, which, granted, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's he hasn't done this with other players. But I think overall, it doesn't seem like something that 
we should be too worried about. And surprisingly, I know it was on like ESPN.com, like the front page yesterday, but overall it doesn't seem to be that big of a, a news story or anything too problematic for Penn State. So, so that's always good when Penn State's in the news, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, and then before we get to our – well, so I probably should have said this at the beginning of the podcast. We're going to do our season predictions today. We're going to be doing offensive MVP, defensive MVP, position groups we like, position groups we don't like. Pivotal games, trap games, our season predictions, and then we'll also do a little bit of Idaho's as well. So pretty big podcast, but before we get to that one other piece of news, that is the depth chart that came out today. Alex, you said you printed it out, so you're already ahead of the ballgame there. Is there anything that jumps out to you or surprises you or anything anything notable from it? There's only one thing that really sticks out. I feel like it was kind of pretty understood what the depth chart was going to be. Uh, Rashid Walker starting left tackle is interesting to me. Yeah, he's, uh, when I went to practice back at media day, he was first team left tackle. So nothing too much has, has changed on that end. And obviously a redshirt freshman, but even the spring game, he got lots of time at left tackle and he was always viewed as the heir apparent. I know that Des Holmes, who is the backup at left tackle and right tackle, he's listed for both. Also had a good, also had a good summer and he looked good when I was there as well. Um, but Rashid Walker held him off and, and he's going to be a boomer bus guy this year for me. To keep it with redshirt freshman, I think the thing, probably the only thing that really surprised me was that Jason Owe, defensive end, was listed as the second team, was listed on the second team behind Chaka Tony. I would have thought that Daniel Joseph would have that number four defensive end spot. I would have thought it would have been, obviously, Etor, Chaka Tony, Shane Timmons, and then Daniel Joseph. But they're going with Jason Owe, which, I mean, he's he's an absolute freak. Listed at six foot five, two fifty five, and... I believe in the spring he ran a 4.3340, which is, for those that Why? do not know, that is that very fast, uh, let alone for something that's 255 pounds. So, raw kid, super athletic. So, if things are starting to click and they feel good about him being uh, you know, the number four defensive end and with the way Sean Spencer, the defensive line coach, likes to rotate, I'm excited to see what uh, Mr. Owe can do this year. I also saw that Jake Pinnegar was indeed starting. You told yes. me about the day after our last podcast, two days after, whatever it was. Yeah, I got that. Vinegar, yeah, might not even be our field goal kicker. I guess that Jordan Stout, the Virginia Tech transfer, was looking really good. But he's just doing kickoffs and Pinnegar sticking to the field goals. So I had that highlighted. And I kind of yeah. like that Dan Chisena is probably going to see some playing time at some point. He's the guy that got the 60, 70-yard touchdown in the blue-white game and got a scholarship immediately afterwards. I don't really have anything more about it. I just like that he got that, and he's realistically second on the depth chart behind Jahan Dotson, so that'll be cool. Yeah, Chisena is a legit athlete. He, he originally walked on the football team at a high school, and he was also running track at Penn State, and he decided just to do track. And then he stopped doing track and is now back to playing football. So he's he's a legit speedster and at 6'3", 202 pounds. You know, pretty big fellow, especially for what's now a former walk-on. So, yeah, he's going to see some time this year. And running back is also interesting because you got three ors. It's Ricky Slade or Journey Brown or Noah Kane or Devin Ford. I don't think the Ricky Slade or Journey Brown bit is all too surprising, nor is adding Noah Kane into that mix, but I think the fact that they are also including Devin Ford as well really does go to show just, again, I, I'm kind of skeptical skeptical of 
them having a true running back rotation, I think they are eventually just going to settle on one guy. I don't think it's going to be as severe as it was with obviously Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders, but I do think that eventually somebody will separate themselves from the pack. But little surprise to see uh, both Noah Kane and Devin Ford included as one of the starters, essentially. I mean, if if you want to call them co-starters, I yeah, I don't know what the term would be for four starters, co-co-co-starters, but that was something that also stuck out to me, too. Yeah, Franklin said that at his press conference that all four are going to see playing time this weekend. Obviously, it doesn't surprise me a whole lot. I think eventually, either Noah Kane or Devin Ford, depending on who looks better, probably his first two games is going to sit out most of the rest of the season to try and keep his redshirt. I feel like we're probably going to have a three-running back rotation, probably starting around the pit game and then going into the Big Ten season. Makes sense. And then I don't know if you have anything else for depth chart, but last thing that I want to bring up is that Cam Brown is listed as the fourth team outside linebacker. The only reason for that is because he is suspended for the first half of the Idaho game, as I think everybody has talked about a bajillion times because he likes to tackle people with his helmet. So uh, Jesse Lucado will be starting in his place. And well, Jesse Lucado will be starting at the opposite outside linebacker position with Micah Parsons flipping over to the same spot that Cam Brown usually plays. So that's that's why Lucate is listed as a starter. Uh, no doubt Cam Brown will be the starter the rest of the season, but just on the point out, do you have anything else with the uh, depth chart? No, I think everything else we pretty much expected. All right. Well, we can get to our season predictions now. This is a bit of a big moment for us. Our first podcast last year was our season preview and season predictions of the our game predictions for the Appalachian State game. So this is officially kind of our one-year anniversary. I don't want to you know, pat myself on the back, but I am patting myself on the back. We made a year of podcasting. How about that? That's pretty crazy. That's pretty awesome. And this year's preview podcast will be much better than last year's. So Yes, the one that we had to record like three times because it was so terrible. Now we only record it once, and it's only semi-terrible, and we just posted it anyway. So, All right. Anyway, let's just get into it. Season prediction time. Alex, I'm going to ask you for your offensive MVP, and just like you were back in school doing a math problem, you must show your work. So tell me who your offensive MVP is and tell me why he is your offensive MVP for the season. This is not just for the Idaho game. This is for the season as a whole. Well, you know who my offensive MVP is, so I appreciate you letting me go first. My offensive MVP, the person that I think needs to have a great season for Penn State to have a great season, is KJ Hamler. KJ Hamler is only a redshirt sophomore, but he's the old guy in the room. Like Jahan Dotson is a true sophomore we have Justin Shorter as a redshirt freshman. KJ Hamler is the oldest one there. He took the leadership position in the offseason. After the bowl game, he said that they're going to be a different wide receiver unit come this fall. And every time they drop a ball in practice, they have to catch 100 on the jugs machine after practice. So hopefully that he will be able to just step up, lead that wide receiver unit. He has to have more than one catch on three touches, which is that that's what he had in the Citrus Bowl that Penn State ended up losing. He's got to touch the ball at least 10 times a game between punt returns and kick returns, catches, and, you know, the occasional end around, whatever else. I think if he has a good year, if he has a first-team All-Big Ten year, Penn State's going to do some serious damage. I agree. K.J. Hamler is my offense, offensive MVP as well. As I, we're starting to sound like a broken record here, but KJ Hamler flat out needs to touch the ball way more than he did last season. It was, uh, and maybe some of this was on Hamler hitting a wall in a sense. I believe Franklin mentioned that at some point during the summer that that Hamler did hit a wall last year, and they just weren't able to to break through with it. But it certainly felt like 
they weren't doing a, a good enough job of just getting him the ball. Because if you can get KJ Hamler, you don't even really need him in space. Just get him in area with a pocket of space and have have him one-on-one against a defender and you feel pretty good about yourself. So he's an all-Big Ten player. So again, just please get KJ Hamler the ball more. So yeah, we agree with offensive MVP. Not too surprising there. Who's your defensive MVP? My defensive MVP? I'm going to go a little off the grid here. I'm going to go Shaka Tony. I think Shaka Tony needs to have a really big year. Itro Grossmatos is going to carry the load on the defensive line. He's going to get all double teams. He's going to get all the attention, the game planning around him. Shaka Tony's on the other side. If he can come and get eight sacks, nine sacks, he had five last year. If he can even double that, I mean, obviously that's best case scenario, but he's going to have opportunity if he takes advantage of that and Penn State can get penetration, just really put pressure on the quarterback, even with double-teaming Itro Grossmanos and game-planning around him, Penn State's going to be hard to stop. Shaka Tony's definitely a good pick. Who would you say is... I would imagine that Itro Grossmanos is the leader in the clubhouse to who is going to lead Penn State in sacks this year, but I don't know. Not that there's anywhere you can actually get these odds, but Shaka Tony, depending on what his odds were, I think is a really, really smart pick because... That dude can absolutely get after the quarterback. We've seen that the last two years. A little inconsistent last year. He had five sacks, I believe he said last year. And if we remember, four of those sacks were in one quarter against Indiana. So while, yes, it's it's pretty incredible for somebody to have four sacks in one quarter, that also means that for all the other quarters he played, he had just one sack. So for somebody that you know is getting after the quarterback, needs needs to uh, do a, a better job. And I think, I think we will see that this year from Shaka. So... Like that pick from you, I'm going kind of obvious. I shouldn't say completely obvious because I think Etar Grossmanos is probably the most obvious answer here, but I'm going with the the other major obvious one, and that is Micah Parsons. Bottom line, he's just a fantastic football player, and he's going to wreak havoc this year. I think you, we saw so much growth from him last year, him and you know against Appalachian State and Pitt and Ohio State versus him against Kentucky and against... Uh, you know, even Indiana and Iowa and all those games, you saw you know so much growth from him. So I think we're yeah, I don't know that's just going to be expounded this year. We'd really like to see him make more plays in the backfield. He didn't have a ton of tackles for loss last year. I think he only had one or two sacks. So you know he's just an absolutely devastating guy once he gets downhill. So I think you know you're going to see him pl- break up more things in the backfield, whether that be getting after the quarterback for sacks or, or getting to the running back. As soon as, as soon as the ball gets handed off to him. So, yeah, I think Michael Parsons is going to be an all-Big Ten caliber player, just like uh, KJ Handler will be. So, yeah, Michael Parsons is my defensive MVP. Now, let's move over to position groups. What is the offensive position group which you feel best about? I'm going strictly on talent for this one, kind of potential. I, I guess you could say I'm going to go running back. I feel really good about the running backs. I think we saw enough from Ricky Slade last year to show that he can – carry at least most of the load 60 to 70 percent of the load he averaged the same amount of yards as miles sanders per carry virtually i mean he was 5.7 yards a carry and miles sanders was 5.8 and he had exactly one fourth of the touches i think if you can you know increase that to 200 touches throughout the year he could be a thousand yard back and then you obviously have journey brown and you have whichever freshman is going to decide to show up and play these first couple weeks and impress like i said i think we're going to have one of them probably redshirt, and then one be greenlit and be ready to go play the entire year. So 
I'm going to go running back just on talent. I think it's a s- extremely, extremely talented. Running back is a sneaky good pick. I'm once again going obvious with this one, and that would be tight end. Pat Farmuth is great. To have someone like Nick Bowers as a redshirt senior is also great. And then even behind them, Zach Kuntz as a redshirt freshman and true freshman, Brent Strange, who probably is not getting talked about enough. I don't think they'll need to use Kuntz and Strange all too much and you know, knock on wood with injuries, especially with Nick Bowers, because he's battled quite a few during his career. But if you have Pratt, Firemuth, and, and Nick Bowers lining up a tight end for you at the same time, or, or largely it'll be one or the other, and most likely, or it will almost certainly... Most of the time, be Pat Frymuth, but you feel really, really good about both of them. And, and Frymuth is another guy that just like Parsons and Hamlin. You can see him taking his game to the next level this season. So I'm going to tight end. And what about the position group you feel best about defensively? I mean, kind of as I said with our defensive MVP, I really like our defensive end. I think Shaka Tony, even though he did have the four sacks against Indiana, that shows what he can do, what he has the potential to do. Obviously, I don't think he's going to have 48 sacks in a year. He's not going to do four sacks every game, but he's going to have a good year. And Nitro Grossmatos, what else can we say about him? He's going to be a first-round pick next year. He's going to be great. So those guys, as long as they stay healthy, Penn State's going to have a pretty consistent pass rush. I agree with you on the defensive line as well. And we just talked about the defensive line ton, and we even touched on it with uh, Jason Owe in the depth chart. So I agree. Defensive end, you, you have to feel really, really good about that spot. And then the position group we'll go a little negative here position group you feel worst about and we'll start with you offensively what are you thinking worst is a really tough word just because it implies that i feel negative about them i don't know that i feel negative about sean clifford but we just gotta we we just gotta see it we gotta see the quarterback position come and play i'm hoping that he comes out and just throws it around like he did last year but he has a lot more pressure on him this year the entire team's on him He's going to be playing, obviously, every game. He only played, you know, mop-up duty here, spot duty there. So I think it's going to be okay, but we just got to see it in these first couple weeks. I'm hoping that he can come out and get really comfortable, get ready to go. Here, I thought we were a Sean Clifford podcast. I guess only one of us is pro Sean Clifford, if that is who you feel. No, we're both pro (laughs) Sean Clifford. Let's let's be very clear here, but he's a first-time starting quarterback in the Big Ten, and you can never be 100% confident having that just having just going against great defenses week in and week out fair enough if there's one position group if you if we look at the end of the season and penn state finishes below expectations i would assume that one of the major issues that people will be complaining about will be the offensive line so i'm going with offensive line for that i actually think i like them a little bit more than most people do but definite changes you you lose a lot of experience with ryan bates and Connor mcgovern so We'll see how these first couple weeks are, but offensive line is, is probably where I'm going to go there. And then what do you think defensively? I feel like it's 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 really tough to pick anywhere on defense. I think everybody's go-to is usually safety just because you're breaking in a new starter there. But it seems like Lamont Wade had a, had a, had a pretty good summer from all, things, from all things we've read and heard. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know that our defensive tackles, I think they're going to be fine, but... They need to just make sure they're not pushed around. They didn't get a whole lot of experience last year, but I think they'll be fine. But I think I think the safety position is just the one that you have to feel the most uncertain about. But that's I mean that's a great position to be in. That your safeties are, you know, Garrett Taylor who had a good year last year and Lamont Wade who everyone says just been balling out in the preseason. So if that's your position that you're most worried about, I think Penn State's going to be okay. 
And then what is your most pivotal game of the season? I decided on the word pivotal, not most. Eh, I guess eh. I feel like the word I think using the word pivotal kind of changes how people think about it. It's not necessarily I think everybody would agree that the most important game would be Ohio State or Michigan. And maybe the, that is also the most pivotal game. But what are you thinking pivotal was? Again, I appreciate you letting me go first here. Michigan State. It's it's always Michigan State. Michigan State has James Franklin's number. He, James Franklin's only one and four. They're obviously a good team. They're always a good team pretty much across the board under D'Antonio. And again, they're just, we have a brutal schedule leading up to it. You know, Purdue, who could be sneaky good? You know, we're, we, we want to see about that. But it's going to be homecoming, so I don't think that's going to be too much of a problem. But then we're at Iowa, Michigan at home, probably under the lights, definitely the whiteout, and then at Michigan State again. And the last two years, it's been a letdown. Luckily, we don't have to play Ohio State directly before it again this year. It's going to be tough. Penn State's going to have to play their absolute A game to get a road win there. And it's going to be tough. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Oddly enough, I also went with Michigan State here, going away from the, the Michigan-Ohio State aspect of things. I don't know. I just I, I shouldn't say I can't foresee a scenario where Penn State were to I mean, if Penn State loses to Michigan, that's that's quite the bummer, knowing that you then have to go to Michigan State and to Ohio State with already having uh, at least one loss in the Big Ten without even knowing what happens in those other games. So maybe Michigan should actually be this pick just because it's the first one, but it just seems like Michigan State has... Uh, I know... I'm not going to say it's been worse than the Ohio State losses the last two years, but man, those the last two Michigan State ones are just... I feel like the, that's truly where the season swung even especially last year if, if Penn State goes out and wins, wins that game they're I, they're I, right I don't remember at that point yeah I don't remember where they were ranked but they probably they probably go into that Michigan game ranked like number seven or something in the country which not that that really would have changed anything against Michigan I think Michigan was clearly the better team but it just kind of changes the team's outlook and, and and their swagger and their their mojo so I yeah I just I can't lose to Michigan State again. But you can also make arguments for Ohio State Michigan. You said how Franklin's one and four against Antonio. He's uh, not much well, better against those guys. I was gonna say Ohio State Michigan. He's he's also one and four I believe. So need to be better. It's tough to say pivotal game because I think it's I, you just cannot go zero and three or one and two against Michigan Michigan State and Ohio State again. You need you need to at least two and one. So. It's tough to pick one game. I think any of those three could be argued for. So surprisingly, we both go with Michigan State, though. So I think that's, that says a lot to where Sparty's at. Uh, what about trap game? You mentioned uh, Purdue, correct? I don't know if that's your pick, but you mentioned Purdue as, as, as maybe a game that scares you. I think it could be. We don't know enough about them yet with because they're going to be breaking in a new starting quarterback, too. But Rondell Moore is electric. You know, he, he reminds me a lot of K.J. Hamler. But I think Penn State will be okay with that. My pick for this one, I think you're probably going to end up laughing at me, but I'm going Maryland. Okay. I Okay, for a second, I thought you were going to say Iowa, which Iowa, that doesn't even... But having to go trap. to Kinnick... Yeah, trap. I was going to say, that's that's not a, that's not a trap game. Okay. I'm fine with... Explain Maryland, but I'm fine with Maryland. Maryland, it's just a weird Friday night game. Last year, Penn State didn't necessarily play that well on Friday night. It took them a while to get their feet under them. We don't know a whole lot about... Maryland's new head coach, Mike Loxley. We don't really know what to expect. It's Sean Clifford's first road game as a starter. 
Luckily, Penn State's coming off the bye the week before that. But still, if they don't come out ready to go, it could potentially spell trouble. Friday night aspect definitely makes it a little bit weirder. And I have a feeling it kind of will be like that that Illinois game where I'm just sitting in my living room at... I think this game starts at 8, not 9, which I guess is a little bit nicer. But I'm going to be sitting in my living room an hour and a half into that game just staring off into it at this, being like, why is this Why is this happening to us? Um, I could totally see it being like 13-7 at halftime with Maryland winning type thing. Uh, yeah, something like that. I think it will be a little bit higher scoring. I actually kind of like Maryland's, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure they've been having to switch defensive tackles over to the offensive line, which if you're a Penn State fan, you know is never good. It's never good when a former defensive tackle who played defensive tackle last year is now switching over and may be a star in the offensive line. Just saying, usually not good. But I actually like some of Maryland's offensive talent. Josh Jackson coming over from Virginia Tech, he's a really, really good quarterback. Anthony McFarland's a great running back, very dynamic. Their defense kind of stinks, so I, I, I feel like it could kind of be like the actually kind of like the Illinois game last year where it feels like a back-and-forth affair for much of it before Penn State finally pulls away, but no, I definitely get that as far as a, a trapped aspect point of view. It's just I, weird. I feel like it could just go like, remember those old USC teams that were always number one in the country and they'd go up to uh, Oregon State on a yes. Thursday and lose? Not that I feel like Penn State's going to lose that game, but I don't know. It's just, it, it's just weird. Friday night games, Thursday night games, they always just sit kind of weird with me. No, definitely get that. For my trap game, I'm going with Minnesota. And to be honest with you, I couldn't really tell you a whole lot about Minnesota. It just feels like one of those, it's it's at a weird spot on the schedule. I believe it's right after a bye week, which, by the way, shout out to Penn State getting two bye weeks this year. I think two bye weeks should just be put into every schedule, but that's besides the point. It's right after a bye week, which most people would think, hey, that should be all the more reason to not lose. But I don't know. Just, I guess, get something weird, have to go to Minnesota. P.J. Fleck is very James Franklin-like, and I just get this feeling that, not that Penn State and Minnesota are going to play each other all that much, but I get the feeling that 10 years from now, one of them is going to be undefeated against the other one, and I don't know, I just I just have, I just, <laughs> I just have a bad feeling about the Minnesota game. So, Minnesota's my trap game. Just feels like a game that they'll lose. Last time they went to Minnesota, they lost as well, so. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I like P.J. Fleck. I liked him at Western Michigan. He's been doing, I guess, fine at Minnesota. This is what, the second year, third year? Third year. It's, I don't know. I feel like at that point in the year, you're probably not rowing too many boats because it's too cold and the ice or the water will freeze over and turn into ice. So I'm hoping you're wrong, but I don't, I, I don't know. I don't really know that much about Minnesota right now to give that much of an opinion. We won't really know a whole lot about them until the season starts. So fair enough. Last but not least, before we get into Idaho score predictions, which I don't think are going to be all that too surprising, let us give you our season predictions for you that read the website. You already know my prediction since it came out last Thursday. I'm going with 9-3. and three. I have losses to Iowa, Minnesota, and Ohio State, so I think it's all road losses. I think they beat Michigan. I think they beat Michigan State. I think they look really, really good at times. I think they look really, really bad at times, too. I kind of think it's going to be the thing with last year was I was kind of hoping it would be like that. Like, oh, like this, because even last year, as Penn State was replacing so much experience. So I thought it'd be 
like this yin and yang of looking so, so good, which I think for large portions of that Ohio State game they did. It just so happened that after that Ohio State game, they really never clicked on all cylinders. A little a little bit against Maryland, but even that wasn't all too much to write home about. So I think it's going to be a year of them looking... This 9-3 is going to look better than last year's 9-3. I think Penn State football is going to be a little bit more fun to watch. I think offensively, things get a little bit better, and the defense is just going to be flat out elite this year. But I just think there's going to be a hiccup here or there. Just just feels like one of those years. Um, and to be honest with you, usually I'm, I go on the optimistic side of things. So this is the first year where I'm trying to just stick with my prediction that I've been feeling since since February. Usually... I'm, you know, at nine and three, ten and two, and then I'll add a win, so I'll be at eleven, one, or ten and two. So this year I'm just sticking with with what was in my original gut. So I'm going with nine and three. My season prediction, it's tough. I would like to predict us to go, you know, twelve and zero, eleven and one. I think, at the very least, the defense is is talented enough to get us to that point. But I'm going to go ten and two. I don't know if I know exactly which games we're going to lose, but I think that. Between Ohio State and Michigan, the Penn State's going to go one and one, and Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State's going to go one and one. I don't know. This season's going to be hard to figure out. I think I, I I really hope that Sean Clifford can get it together sooner rather than later, and the wide receivers are actually improved. If I could see this team going eleven and one, probably not twelve and zero, just because they're going to have a bad game at some point. But I could see this team. Going eleven and one, all things go right. I think ten and two is probably more likely. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Just a weird year, which maybe I think every other since I've been with BSD, which is only since the 2016 season. Other than the 2017 season, I feel like I've said this is going to be a weird year. But just for some reason, maybe I'm just too follow Penn State football too closely, and I'm a little bit too biased. But it's just it's it's hard to get a read on exactly what Penn State is. But for for, for this season, it actually seems to have some credence, just because. If you look nationally where people at Penn State at, it's kind of all over the map. I know a lot of the athletic guys, guys like Stu Mandel and Bruce Feldman and Eddie Staples have Penn State pretty high up. I think Stu Mandel has Penn State winning the Big Ten, if I recall correctly. And then you have, I think, uh, Ryan Leaf, the old Washington State QB, now working on ESPN. I think he has Penn State at 6-6, six and six, which, man, I... Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. That's yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite think that's going to happen. But there are, there are quite a few people who think Penn State will not end up being a top twenty-five team, and and you know we'll go in for seven and five or, or or something to that effect. So weird year. But hey, every year of the playoffs so far, there's been one team that's been outside the top ten in the preseason. So maybe this is Penn State's year. Yes, it it could be Penn State. We're going to shift our focus to Idaho. This is not going to be too long. But before we do that, we are back with Sean Martin, Stat of the Week, presented to you by Jack Lawn. Thank you, Jack Lawn, for all that you do sponsoring our podcast. For this week, Sean's Stat of the Week is Saturday will be the first time in 1,393 days that Penn State played a game where one Trace McSorley did not take a snap. That's sad. It is. Well, it's also happy though. He's moved on to bigger and better things. He's he balling out with Baltimore. The, he just tore up the Eagles the other night. It was great. I said that as an Eagles fan. Absolutely beautiful seeing him do that. So uh yeah, shout out to Trace and also, New Area for sure starting at Penn State. After the show we're gonna have to um 
you're gonna have to tell me what size you are because I think I'm actually gonna buy a Trace McSorley jersey. So I already bought a Trace McSorley shirtsy. So oh, I'm behind. I apologize. I'm sorry to Trace. Okay, let's get to Idaho score predictions. Game MVPs and defensive MVPs. I'm gonna start us off. My offensive MVP is Sean Clifford. He will throw four touchdowns against the Idaho Vandals. And my defensive MVP is Jason Owe because it's going to be a blowout, so he's going to play a whole lot. I think he has three sacks, and everybody's going to say he's going to be a future first-round pick, which he might end up being, but we're definitely going to go overblown with him. And my score prediction is that Penn State wins 55 to nothing. What are you thinking, Alex? I actually went a little more extreme with you on the score prediction, at least. I went 66-3. to I think that Penn State, I don't know if this is a cop out so i guess i'll just pick one i think we're gonna have journey brown score three touchdowns i think penn state could probably put up six or seven touchdowns on the, just on the ground i don't think that sean clifford is going to be in the game long enough to score four i hope he does just in the first half but yeah so i'm gonna go with journey brown i would go with the entire running backs group but you would yell at me for cheating and just oh, be a, yes. it would just be a cop out so i'm not gonna do it, that it, it would be a cop-out. Not, not, you were absolutely correct with that. That would be a cop-out. And I'm going to say that Jan Johnson has a really good game. His last year here, he's going to have an interception this weekend. All right. I like that. Um, do you have a question for me? Because if not, I have a trivia question for you. Um, Kind of. I don't. It, it's not really good. So we'll Should just, I just go give you yours. mine? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Idaho is an FCS school. When was the last time Penn State played an FCS program? Uh, I read this today. Is it Indiana State? Incorrect. Last year in November against Rutgers. Oh, shoot. Ha, ha, ha. Get it? Do you get you it? You got me. You got me. Do you get it? Do yeah. you guys get it? Because Rutgers is bad. Do you get it? That was a good one by me, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I appreciated that one. Uh, Yeah, I guess we won't do the Big Ten wraparound because I don't have the schedule up, and I think it's a whole lot of nothing. Does Michigan play Army this weekend? Or does Ohio State play Cincinnati? Those could be kind of good games. I don't know. Ohio if State weekend. Cincinnati is next weekend, and okay. that may or may not be my upset pick of the week. But it's it's the first week of the year. Nobody's playing anybody interesting. If we did that, if they were, then we would know about it. So, all right. Well, this podcast has run on too long anyway, so we'll save our Big Ten stuff once we get into it next week. Make sure you're reading the site, blackshoediaries.com. Make sure that you are giving us five stars on whatever podcast app you listen to, preferably iTunes, Apple Podcasts, because I feel like that's the one that most people use, and it makes us look good. We climb up in the rankings, even though I don't think we're anywhere near any rankings, but that's what every other podcast says, so I have to say it as well. So yeah, and uh, follow us on Twitter, at BSDTweet. Do all those things, please, and uh, thanks for listening. We're having mostly because I think you guys are just starred for football content, but we are doing very, very well numbers-wise, way better than we were last year this time. And obviously that's just because we're more established and all that stuff, but we, we even, but even if it's just like pity support. So. Yeah, even, but if, if not, even if it's just pity support, we appreciate it and uh, keep listening. So we'll be back to doing this once or twice a week. We'll, we'll kind of depend on who Penn State's opponent is, and quite honestly who how good Penn State is doing because one thing that we have picked up on is the worst Penn State does the the less you guys listen and the less fun it is to do the podcast it's it's not a lot of fun to do podcasts when Penn State loses all the time so hopefully yeah. we don't have too many of those though yeah I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that unless somehow Penn State loses this weekend which would be just catastrophic in every sense we'll probably only do one podcast next week 
we'll wrap the Idaho rehab and the Buffalo preview all in one. To be honest, if Penn State loses to Idaho, I feel comfortable saying this. We will we will never record a podcast again. This podcast will be over. Well, fair enough. Yeah, I, feel, I, I feel comfortable saying that. I don't really have anything else to say. I can't really argue with that. So, all right. Well, college football is back, folks. Hopefully. You're headed to this, the game this weekend. If not, enjoy the first full college football Saturday. Week zero was a nice nice little tasting, but there's nothing like that first full week when you wake up and know that you will be watching college football for approximately 12 hours straight without stopping. So for those of you that aren't heading to the game, I'm jealous of you. And for those of you that are going to the game as I am, we'll have ourselves a good time. Are you going to the game, Alex, or you are not? I'm not sure what you're doing. What are you doing? Yeah, I'll be here. My brother that... I went to visit in Japan last year, missed the App State game. He's actually coming here this weekend. So he and I and just a couple friends are going up together. I'm not going to say who they are because she'll get mad at me. So, but yeah, we're going up. It's going to be a great time. I'm really excited. Tweet at me if you're there and want to hang out and meet your favorite podcasters. So, yeah. Yeah. College football is back, baby. Nothing like the first college football Saturday in Happy Valley. So, We will see you then. Maybe you're listening to this as you're driving up, so enjoy the weekend, enjoy the game. But as always, it begins with I love you, and it ends with I love you. I love you guys.